You know, not very many people can get a new song off on your pastor, but I didn't, I hadn't heard that one. That's a good song. All right, we're going to finish Galatians today. I promise, we really are. And uh, so turn in Galatians. We will get that done. Galatians chapter 6. What a joy uh, it is to see. Wow, it's a good-sized crowd tonight. Look at this. It's exciting. We're almost, we're almost, not quite, but almost getting back to normal. Isn't that great? And uh, yeah, we're, our goal, we were talking with the deacons the other day, we're shooting for uh, May to maybe try to get uh, Sunday school back up and running. Our situation, of course, is the, the, uh, the need still to uh, social distance on that Sunday morning service. So uh, just work with us, pray with us. You know, we're trying to figure out how to sandwich everything in and make it convenient for everybody. Uh, so we'll, we'll give it a shot and see what we can do. Galatians chapter 6, verse 11, and uh, we're going to jump off on verse 11 and focus on it a lot. And, but I promise we're going to finish off the chapter today, right? Last week I said that we did one verse, verse 10. And, uh, but anyway, we'll see what we can do. You see, Paul writing says... How large a letter I have written unto you with mine own hand. Let's pray. Father, we ask that you would uh, just help your word to be real and vibrant tonight. That uh, we would glean from it and learn from it. Help us to be willing to grow. Willing to allow you to change us, to mold us into the image of your son. And Father, we will thank and praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Much has been said about this verse right here, whether you know it or not. The concept that the Apostle Paul emphasizes that he's writing this letter with his own hand. Uh, many times, we don't know. We don't know exactly. There's hypotheses out there that Paul might have had an eye condition that prevented him from being able to write, so he would also often dictate and someone else would do the writing. Uh, that he might have had a nerve condition that kept him from writing. Uh, it could be just the beatings and the, uh, all the different things that he had, you know, that just made that really difficult. But uh, for whatever reason, the Apostle Paul takes a moment to say here, uh, because he loves these people, and he's, he's really emphasizing this, because you mean so much to me, I have written unto you with mine own hand. Uh, and so I want to just jump off of that for just a moment. We have, if, if COVID has shown us anything... It has shown us our propensity to avoid contact, all right? It's amazing. I'm not talking about you. We're all here, right? I'm, but I'm, it is an amazing thing to me to watch how many people said, yay, rah, now I have a reason to not speak to anyone, you know, and to hide behind a mask and to close our doors and to live virtually and for the last year, for some people, this has been like, this is wonderful. You would prefer that we just stay this way for the rest of your existence. And um, I'm going to challenge you with this, because you don't find that in the scripture. You just don't. Uh, the Bible says, if a man must have friends, he must show himself friendly. The concept from the very beginning of creation through to the church age and still now is that God created us for the purpose of fellowship, for the purpose of iron sharpening iron. And the Apostle Paul is going to give us a great example. What Paul is never afraid of is to risk a relationship. You know, there's a lot of risk involved in 
getting close to people. There, there is. Uh, I don't. I mean, if I were to ask, I would guess virtually every hand would go up. I'm not asking. This is this is rhetorical. I'm not asking for a response. And quite honestly, it might be that it's within this room itself, and it could get awkward really quick. But it's likely that everyone here has been hurt by someone who you got close to, and then something happened, and there was a disappointment in that relationship. It, things happened, and things began to fall apart. And it's really tough. This morning, somebody was telling me about you know, a pastoral situation, an accusation. So this pastor is facing an accusation that someone made, you know, that, wow, that someone probably that he has invested time and energy and blood, sweat, and tears into. And then an accusation is made, and all of a sudden it's going to change everything. And, and, but the Apostle Paul is going to show us again and again and again that these relationships are worth the risk. One of the things that makes our church so, I think, unique is that we do tend to be willing to cross that line and actually you know, embrace one another. I'm not talking about just physically, but I'm talking about a willingness to, to make a commitment, a willingness to develop a relationship. Uh, it is a challenge. But if you happen to be one of those uh, that uh, would love to stay COVID for the rest of your existence... I, I really believe it's part of my job in the scripture, not because it's my opinion, in the scripture to push you out of that nest uh, and back into life. Because life is what God uses to change us into the image of his son. This is how it works. Iron sharpens iron. So I'm going to walk you through with the Apostle Paul for just a moment of some relationships that he was willing to do. Now, just listen to things that the Apostle Paul says. He says, greet, and by the way, I, I say this all the time when I'm reading Bible names. You know, I'm so glad, I guess, maybe that my parents weren't really, really, really strong Christians whenever I was born, because if they were going to pick my name, they did pick John David. That's not half bad. It's out of the Bible. But wow, there are some rough names in here. But uh, in Romans 16, Paul says this, greet Amplius. Good old Amplius, uh, my beloved in the Lord. Salute Urbane. How would you like to be called Urbane? That has meaning, you know, to it, but uh, this is somebody's name. Our helper in Christ. And here's a good one. Stachys, my beloved. Uh, he says, I write not these things. I'm skipping all over, so if you're trying to follow, you can't necessarily. He says, I write not these things to shame you, but as my beloved sons. I warn you. I mean, the Apostle Paul, he, he, when he walked into a church, he embraced the congregation, and they became family to him. And he says this again and again and again. In 1 Corinthians 4, he says, For this cause I have sent unto you Timotheus, who is my beloved son and faithful in the Lord. In 1 Corinthians 10, Wherefore, my dearly beloved, in 1 Corinthians 15, Therefore, my beloved brethren... Be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. In Ephesians chapter 6, that ye also may know my affairs, how I do, <laughs> I like this one, how I do Tychicus, and how I do Tychicus, my, uh, uh, wow, Tychicus, I'm saying that the way it's supposed to be said, a beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord. Therefore, my brethren, 
dearly beloved and longed for, my joy and crown. So stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. And also, and ye also learned of Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is for you a faithful minister of Christ. In Colossians 4, with Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother. In Colossians 4 again, Luke, the beloved physician, and Demas, greet. By the way, you mentioned Demas. He's, he's mentioning these people in this context of these people are dear to me. I love them. They mean something to my life and to my ministry, which helps you to understand Paul's heart when later on about Demas, he says, Demas also hath forsaken me. See, he understands, and he was willing to risk this concept of relationship to have with these folks. Uh, in Colossians 4, uh, did I say that one already? Yes, I did, I'm sorry. Uh, in Philemon, Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ, and Timothy, our brother, uh, and to Philemon, our dearly beloved. In Philemon 2, uh, and to our beloved Aphia, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, to the church. I mean, listen to, listen to what the Apostle Paul is saying about these people. He loves them, his desire. Here is Romans chapter 16, the first 16 verses. Do you remember Romans chapter 16? I have highlighted names of people. This is the Apostle Paul saying, these people are dear to me. These people mean something to me. It's Phoebe and Priscilla and uh, Aponet, uh, yeah, Aponetus, I think is how you say that one. Mary and Adronicus and Junia and Amphius and uh, Aristobulus. All of these wonderful people uh, whose names are horrible. But, uh, you know, the Apostle Paul said, these people became dear to me. Now, folks, honestly, most of us, if we could put a list of five people together that we counted dear, it would be a lot. We live in a society where there, we, we have more social media. We can give out sound bites, rocket speed, and more times in a day than most people could speak to someone in a year. And yet, we still move so easily from a social society to a closeted society in that comfort place. Because while we are a society that's very social, we're shallow in our social responsive or our social uh, uh, interactions, right? We're, we're shallow. Uh, it, it is literally sound bites and snippets. And the Apostle Paul, it seems, runs out of time to keep naming all of the people that he counts as beloved and as dear and as people who he says, my ministry cannot survive without these people. So in Romans 16, he says, pray for this one, help this one, because my ministry is at risk because they have invested their time and their energy and their finances and whatever else they've invested it into this ministry so i want to just as we're closing out here in galatians chapter 6 let's not forget that the example in the scripture is one of building relationships 
we simply cannot allow ourselves to be drawn into this world's concept of relationships. You know, we are plastic and everything is, you know, done virtually. And there's this hollowness to relationships. And the scary part is, as we've raised up now generations, one, two, three generations, who have been raised on Hollywood and Facebook more than on the scripture, when those people come together in marriage, they're really struggling. Because marriage requires that committed relationship. And they're struggling on how to do it. We folks, if, if we're not, if this Sunday night crowd isn't able to mirror the, the relationship aspect of the scripture that comes by knowing Jesus Christ, then what hope do the Sunday morning people have? What hope do non-church people have? They're looking to us to see how this is done. They're looking to us to not be afraid of the dangers. So help me here. It's been one of those days. I, like, I, I know all day today, I guess, I've just been letting you help me, uh, help me preach. Help me here. What are, what's a danger? What's a risk that you take when you, uh, when you start building a relationship? What's one risk that you might take? Rejection. That's the obvious one, right? That's a, that's a tough one. Nobody likes rejection. Uh, and it is hard, you know? I mean, it's hard when somebody comes to visit our church and then we never see them again. And whether you realize this or not, that is a rejection, right? I came to your church, didn't mean much, I'm out of here. And, and that's like, ooh, that hurts. It, it hurts your pastor, it hurts, I hope, everybody. Uh, you know, it was great to have people visiting this morning. We had two first-time visitors again this morning, and that's fantastic. But, you know, it's, it's great to see that happening, but rejection's always a risk. So what are we going to do? We have a visitor come in, and we don't want to be rejected, so let's just, let's just reject them so that they don't have to reject us, right? So we sit there on our hands and hope that somebody goes down and talks to the new guy because I'm not gonna, because there's risk in building a relationship. And one of those is rejection. You know, by the way, if we're using as the prime example Jesus Christ, think about how Jesus Christ reaches out to a lost and dying world only to be rejected again and again and again. And it would be bad enough if it were one time. But guess what? He goes again and again and again. In fact, we did this one time just here a while back. So let's raise our hands one more time. How many of you did not accept Jesus Christ as your Savior the very first time you heard the gospel? You did not. Take a look. Hold him up. Take a look. So he was rejected at least that many times and came back again, at least a second time. I don't know how many times it was, and maybe you don't even know how many times it was. But think about this for a moment. That's the example. We are to follow after the example of Christ, who is so willing to make not just... Do you remember when he said to the apostles, or to the disciples, you know, I no longer just call you my disciples, but I call you my friends. Remember that? You know, to, to risk this concept of, I want to be close to these people. And how many Sundays, as Christians, once we got saved, and God says Sunday after Sunday, I want you to take a step closer to me. And we stay there. No, no, not today. And then the next Sunday, God says, I want you to take a step closer to me. 
and the next Sunday. No, no. You get the idea? And yeah, there's a risk of rejection. What's something else that we risk? What are we putting at risk when we, when we open up ourselves to, to these relationships? Oh, yeah, there's always that possibility of betrayal. This room is full of stories of betrayal, I'm guessing, right? Friends who used to be really close friends. They used to be. And now there's this wall between you because at some point that friendship was betrayed. And I'm not trying to bring that up to, honestly, I, I want you to take, I want you through the, uh, the power of the Holy Spirit and through the example of Jesus Christ and the example of the Apostle Paul to put that aside and reach out anyway, right? I, I want us to say, they may not want the bridge mended, but I'm going to try anyway. I'm going to try. And we reach out again. Because there's always that possibility of betrayal. Sometimes we, we choose the easy route. It is easier to keep from being rejected by simply saying, I'm not going to try. Or to keep from betrayal if we don't allow that friendship to become too close-knit. You know, the Bible is full of stories like this. That David loved Jonathan. And Jonathan loved David. And their souls were knit the Bible says. Their souls were knit. How many friends do we have where our souls are being knit? And the Apostle Paul seems to have a whole bunch. That's the whole point. He is praying for these people. He's writing these people. He's encouraging these people. He's loving these people. And he's letting them love him. And there's risk. There's often a Demas in that midst who betrays. A Demas who forsakes. And it's difficult. It's difficult to lose a friend. What's another? Let's go two more. What's another risk? Do you, say it again. <laughs> you know what friends have a tendency sometimes to do? Hey, pastor. Do you have a few minutes? And do you know what? Your pastor, and I'm guessing you, have a tendency sometimes to do? because <laughs> it's not always convenient right it's not it's not always convenient to develop relationships they're they're hard work they're hard work you don't believe me get married you know i mean it's hard work mia josh it's hard work you know get ready it's coming but it's worth it don't misunderstand it's worth it but it's hard work I mean, there's, it's just a constant, right? It is. And it's not always convenient. And sometimes you have to change your schedule. Sometimes you have to change, you know, the way you say something. Sometimes you have to change, let God change the way you are so that you can build a stronger relationship. And there is an inconvenience to friendship. But the Apostle Paul said, I'm willing to risk being rejected. And I'm willing to risk being betrayed. And I'm willing to risk the inconvenience because the relationship is worth it. It's worth it. And the ministry is strengthened and helped. And all of us have a ministry. All of us. We're all ministering to somebody. If you're not, then you're probably just not awake because you are whether you know it or not. And you need to be more, more uh, forthright about it, right? You need to be more intentional about that. So... Sure, there's the risk of inconvenience. Give me another one. Say it again. 
being stalled? Stalked. Oh, stalked. <laughs> that's, a, that's a new one for the 21st century, right? I would guess there weren't... There prob- actually, probably Jesus had some stalkers in his day, right? We know he did. Right, we know that he did, right? We know he had some stalkers in the day. Because like, like John was saying, the disciples would actually try to stop some of those stalkers from getting in, right? Some people were out there just watching Jesus to do something wrong so they could pounce on it. Remember that? We, we know that. But we live in a day and age, right, where it's like stalking, you know, especially online stalking is... It's, now, I stalk people without apology, by the way. I want you to know. Uh, I, I asked to be your teenager's friends, and it's really not because I plan on going on Facebook and communicating with them because I seldom ever post anything. on. But teenagers, if you don't say yes to my, my request, then I'm going to go to your parents and say, hey, how come your kids are rejecting me? <clears throat> but I do it just because I want to know what's going on in their lives, right? So I, I am telling you honestly, I don't, I've never posted a single thing on Instagram. But I have an Instagram account because I stalk people, you know? Uh, <laughs> We have, we have three interns coming this year, and, I, and one of them called the other day and said, uh, Hey, Pastor, uh, this is Austin. I said, Is it Austin? His last name's Fury. And he's like, How did you know how to say my name? Because no one ever pronounces it right. It is, how do you spell it, Pastor? How do you spell it, Jonathan? JD? <laughs> we were talking about this today. You had to be there. But anyway, F E E R E, Austin Fury. He said, How do you know how to say my name? I said, Because, Austin, I got online and I've been stalking you. <laughs> He said, I don't have a Facebook account. I know you don't. So I Googled you, and YouTube popped up. He says, I'm on YouTube? I said, yes, you are. So his, his, uh, his homiletics class out of West Coast posted a sermon that he preached, and it pops up on YouTube. There's Austin Fury. And yeah, you know, I, without apology, will stalk you. But uh, you get the idea. Sometimes it's creepy. It may be creepy when I do it, too. I don't really care. But, uh, you know. Sometimes it is creepy, and so you're afraid. I don't, I don't want to, if I start this relationship, by the way, can I just put this one on there? What if I start a relationship that I don't want to continue? Right? Now, I'm the one that's going to reject, or I'm the one that's going to betray, and that gets a little harder, and, and it is challenging. You, you know, it's like, how do you, well, because, you know, the, the rea- I believe that when God sends someone into your life, it's God sending someone into your life, right? Not me, it's God. And so, okay, they're not, you know, this, this isn't somebody that I want to uh, spend holidays with, but this is someone God sent in my life. And I have a re- responsibility in this relationship to fulfill the purpose that God has brought into it, right? And so it becomes a challenge. You get the idea. The Apostle Paul is giving us an example here. He says, I have written this in my own hand. I want you to know you mean so much to me that while it might have been painful and while it might have hurt my eyes and while it might have been very difficult for me to do this, you mean so much to me that I did this in my own hand. And folks, I'm asking, what friends do we have that fit into that category? The Apostle Paul was, it seems like that the list was just going on and on and on. And if I want to mirror someone in my life, I would rather mirror Jesus Christ, the friend of sinners. I would rather mirror the Apostle Paul. Do you understand? This is our example to follow after. Are we willing to risk our heart? Are we willing to risk our time, 
our convenience? Are we willing to risk the embarrassment of rejection, whatever it might be, in order to begin to develop some of these friendships? That's the first thing. That's all in verse 11. Go to verse 12. We're going to finish up real quick now. Verse 12. As many as desire to make fair show in the flesh, they constrain you to be circumcised, only lest they should suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. Now listen, he's like, he has been hammering this same topic throughout the whole book, right? And that is that it is not about the works of the law. It is not about you. It is about your Savior and what he did and what he is doing. And he keeps hammering that topic. And they're doing this just because they're afraid of what people are going to think. Verse 13. For neither they themselves who are circumcised keep the law, but desire to have you circumcised that they may glory in your flesh. And the idea is that, you know, they're saying, see, I got this person to follow me. By the way, this is a very pastoral issue, right? This teenager is a big thing for pastors. I do not want you to be a follower of John Ray. Do you understand this? Because in a few short years, John Ray will be no more. It's just the reality. I don't like to think about it either. Yeah, I do, because I'm going to go to heaven, so what do I care, right? But, I mean, it, it is the reality. If you are following a person, then when that person fails you, and I will, and when that person disappoints you, and I will, then you quit following, and that becomes a danger. But if we're following Jesus, if we are following Jesus, he will never disappoint, right? He will never fail us. And so when I'm gone off the scene, you are still doing what God has called you to do. Because you're not following me. You're following him. And that's what the Apostle Paul says. You know, these people are out there. They're trying to get you to, to go this way so they can say, oh, look, I have, in fact, I think I told you this here a while back, but I literally know a pastor who said, I don't do Facebook, I do Twitter, because I don't want friends, I want followers. He said that from the pulpit at a preacher's meeting I was at. And that's what I thought, too. Ooh, yikes, there's something that doesn't ring true about that, right? That's not, that's not, no, I don't want followers, we are followers, not you. We are followers. And we all ought to be following Jesus Christ, right? The Apostle Paul did say, follow me, and then he follows it up with, as I follow Christ. And the implication of that verse is, when I quit following Christ, quit following me, right? Follow after Christ. And that's, that's a big thing. So he's saying, you know, these people are doing this so that they can simply, you know, put you on a roster someplace. Say, look, I've got another one, I've got another one, I've got another one, I've got another one. You know, uh, it is the danger. I, I, I've, I've got like, I don't know, 2,500 Facebook friends, maybe up to closer to 3,000 now. Facebook friends, I don't know any of them. I, I'm just being honest. I know you. Honestly, if you are my Facebook friend, you're about the ones that I know and my family members, and that's it. The rest of them, you know, I speak someplace, and they become my friend, they become my friend, they become my friend. And if you said, hey, look, I noticed this person's your friend, if you ask me about them, I, oh, Really? I'd have to go and look them up on Facebook to see how I even know them because I don't know them. You get the idea? Sometimes that's our approach. Well, I want to be like the Apostle Paul and have a lot of friends, and all we're doing is looking for just check marks over here. No, that's not what the Apostle Paul did. He didn't have a lot of friends that way. 
His friends were dearly beloved and longed for my crown and my joy. His friends were ones that he had invested in, taken time and blood and sweat and tears, had gone into those lives. And those were the ones he was counting as his dear friends. And so we're not just looking to do this, to just chalk up, you know, some list someplace. And the Apostle Paul says, you know, that's what these people are doing. Don't get drawn in. But God forbid, verse 14, that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. And he sums it up just like this. He says, listen, whatever you see in me is because Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins. The only good you see in me required the death of the Son of God to have happen. Save, I, I glory nothing, save in the cross of Jesus Christ. There is nothing good that I have done because I know that in me that is in my flesh, the Apostle Paul said, lieth no good thing. Right? That's what he said. The only glory we have, folks, the only glory any of us have is that God is doing a work in us through the cross of Jesus Christ. We have nothing to glory over. And so these people are out there trying to seek glory, trying to get these people to go back under the law so that they can say, oh, look, I've influenced, I've influenced, I've caused this to happen, I made this happen. It's like... um, I've told you about these before. I've got to hurry. I'm out of time. I've, I've told you about these before, like soul winning programs. I, I'm, you know, soul winning is a good thing. Amen? That is a good thing. We're not, we're not opposed to soul winning. But honestly, I think I may still have it in my office someplace. There's a soul winning program. I can't remember the name of it, and I wouldn't tell you anyway if I did remember. But here's, here's the approach they gave you. They gave you a pen to wear on your lapel that had a bunch of empty spots. And when you led your first soul to the Lord, you got a jewel. And when you led 10 people to the Lord, you got a second jewel. And when you led 50 people to the Lord, you got a third jewel. And 100, and so forth. And in the end, you're wearing this crown of jewels. Isn't that wonderful? See, look. See? Look what I've done. Now, wait a minute. I don't think they've read this verse. We have nothing in which to glory but in the cross of Jesus Christ. The only thing that has ever been done through Southeast Baptist Tabernacle is because we have a Savior who loved us enough to die for us. We have nothing to glory about. We all come crawling to the feet of Jesus, laying at his feet any crown that we might have gotten. Because he is the only one worthy to wear a crown. Glory in the cross. And that's what the Apostle Paul was. He says that. We're not going to glory in what we do. We're going to glory in the cross of Christ and what he has done. Verse 15. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but circumcision, but a new creature, right? In 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians Corinthians chapter 5, he says, You know, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And that's the only glory we have is that we were sinners, vile, wicked, despicable, deserving of hell, and the cross of Christ changed us into the glory of God. And that is our, that new creature. Uh, verse 16, And as many as walk according to this rule, peace be unto them, and mercy, and upon the God of Israel, the, the Israel of God. From henceforth, let no man trouble me. He says, you know what? I'm not going to keep talking about this. I'm done. 
From henceforth, let no man trouble me. I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus Christ. Brethren, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Amen. What a great book. So many wonderful lessons. Are you ready to risk friendship? Maybe risk it all fresh and new since our, uh, our COVID excuses are slowly going away and we need to start crawling back out into life. And are we ready to risk our hearts and uh, make friends? Are we ready to glory only in what God does because we do nothing?